welcome back to my podcast. I am Camilla, your High Vibe Advocate. Give me 15 minutes and I will give you a High Vibe world. How do you know that you're alive? How do you know what's real and what is true? In these strange times we're living through, I actually started asking myself, if perhaps I died, and if this was my purgatory. You know, maybe everything here is just me, you know, my own soul's imagination. Maybe I watched The Others way too often when I was younger. I loved that movie. Maybe it was The Sixth Sense that stayed with me. And I know that might sound crazy, perhaps even certifiable to some of you, but I'm not alone. Many people have taken to social media, some of them famous people, which I only realized after I was already feeling this way and actually started Googling it as if that's what my dead self would do and, you know, in its its own made up reality. Um, And an interesting thing that I found in my searches is that your brain actually can't tell dreams from reality and uh, what truly makes reality real is validation from others that it really did happen. Interesting, right? I sure think so, especially in a time like this when a lot of us are socially isolated. Some of us are alone. How do we even know? How do we get that validation? But how about the fact that we each have our own subjective reality? And this is not only a philosophical, spiritual question, but a sociological one. And I find it fitting because of what's going on in America today. We all have felt a true disconnect between those who support the Black Lives Matter movement and those who passionately defend police officers under any circumstances. As someone who, like many of you, has police officers in their family and among my closest friends, uh, and who also, you know, also... Uh, has loved ones who are people of color who are exhausted of having to march and scream and post and hashtag that their lives matter and completely understands that every real problem um, or the very real problem of, of racism and sexism, may I also add in there because it is important, that exists today in our society and frankly, in all societies, I find these subjective realities are very conflicting and they're very hard to reconcile. And that's where the root of all of our problems lie. Sometimes when we listen to both sides of an issue, which I have been professionally trained to do because I'm a lawyer, we feel that a solution will not happen in our lifetime. It's just too hard to get people to listen to and to understand each other. But that is exactly what we need to do in order to come up with a solution. And the solution lies in empathy and in truly recognizing the fear that is driving the actions on both sides of not only the police brutality issue, but also the racism issue, which exists in the the very fabric of this country. I also want to point out that sexism is an issue that is even bigger than racism. 
and it may sound insensitive to some who are listening, but I will not stop talking about it because it's vital. I remember during the Women's March, every other activist group joined in. And, um, you know, it became like a Black Lives Matter movement, an LBGT movement, a Muslim movement. It was just like any and all oppressed groups just joined in this, you know, women's march movement. And I was very, very annoyed by that. Not because I don't care about the rights of the other people, you know, or their need to be heard, but because I definitely 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 do care about that and I think that each person has their right to speak and they should get the spotlight on them you know and I was upset that women's needs and the issues and struggles of women alone are not enough to sustain a movement it felt like that to me it felt like no one would care about the women's march unless We added in everyone else who is also marginalized and mistreated in our society. And as a woman, that really hurt. And it hurts until this day. And I remember I posted about it. And all I got were backhanded insults from fellow women who felt that I was dismissing the other group's needs and and, and rights. I had to hear things like, well, if you don't like it, why don't you just start your own march? Well, you see, that's my whole point. I couldn't because women don't matter and I'm a woman. And I'm sorry to say, but we really don't matter enough. We are 51% of the population. And just in this country, we were the last ones to get the right to vote. And in many countries, women don't have the right to vote. They don't have the right to go out alone without a chaperone. They don't have the right to drive. We only recently got the right to drive in some countries. And it's funny, funny to me, that some of those countries are ruled by some of the religions that the world defends as freedom of religion. And I'm not saying that the religion is wrong, but the extremism is wrong, right? Because it affects human rights, human rights of women. Most people don't give a shit. It's true. You know, we're still paid in America significantly less than men for the same job. We're still seen as mentally unstable compared to men. We're still seen as the least likely to win a presidential uh, campaign, you know. We are still the least likely to win presidential candidate. And we are still raped a lot more than men. And rape is still one of the most underreported and underpunished crimes. And our fears are still perceived as unreasonable and vilified as prejudicial many, many times. But never has this been more obvious to me than during the Black Lives Matter protests. Because black women, you know, women of color, have been common victims of police brutality for over a century. However, their stories are often left out of the mainstream narrative. The experiences of black women in regard to such brutality is unique to their male counterparts because they experience uh, sexual assault often. And women such as, you know, Hattie McRae and the girls of the Leesburg Stockade were mere examples of the police violence that black women face. In recent years, the killing of, uh, of unarmed black men like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and George Floyd more recently 
have, cap- have captured much more national attention and public outrage than the killings of black women, such as, you know, Rakia Boyd or Shelley Frey or Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor, a twice award-winning EMT and emergency room nurse who wasn't even in the act of being arrested when she was killed. Police entered her home late at night with an expired search warrant for a person that they were looking for who lived very far away and uh, had already been caught in in, in prison that day. They entered her home while she was asleep with her boyfriend. And her boyfriend was legally, you know, in possession of a firearm and shot at the police as anybody would, I guess, if they, if, if somebody entered their home at night when they were asleep, unannounced, because police didn't announce themselves. And they had no reason to think that, that it was the police because they had never done anything wrong. There were no drugs in their, in their apartment. They, you know, they weren't criminals. So they, they defended themselves against what they thought were burglars. Police shot 22 times, hitting her eight times, and she died, and her boyfriend was arrested. Arrested for self-defense. Still is in jail. Anyway, when stories of African-American women meeting similar fates in just as harrowing circumstances are brought up, the number of supporters and advocates decreases. How shocking is that? People just don't give a fuck about women. Female victims' names and stories are generally less recognized than male victims. And this needs to change. But will it? Well, it's hard to imagine considering that women have been discriminated against for over 5,000 years by people of all races. And since men are stronger physically and they make more money, obviously, and we can only imagine, you know, right now that it will take a lot of time. It will continue to take a lot of time for women to be viewed as equally worthy of the respect men get, of the praise, of the marches. Because women are still viewed as property, not only by many men, but by the government, who tends to constantly try and regulate a woman's right over her own body. I always thought that if men got pregnant, (laughs) not only would abortion be legal, but there probably would never be babies born. It'd be the end of a human race. It's incredible. It really is. But it happens. And it's, it's never enough. Uh... You know, there's never enough for me to say because there's never enough that is ever said or done about it. But again, I'm digressing because the topic is reality, right? And how subjective it is. Well, that's my reality. That's how I see things because I'm a woman and I've suffered a lot because of it. And it's been a real struggle and I still fear. I have fear that frightens and and paralyzes me and prevents me from doing things that I should be able to do without being afraid, like going for a jog on my own, walking on my own, going to the beach by myself. And yes, I know that there's women that do that, but you know what? I don't because I'm afraid and I have reasons to be. The idea behind subjective reality is that we each have our own based on our personal experiences, which shape our perception. And if you are someone who has suffered greatly in the hands of police 
or if you know someone who did, then you may not trust a police officer. And if you are an entire class of people, then that means that all of you can't trust the whole system. And the same is true for officers and their unique experiences. Police officers are often charged with responding to circumstances that they are untrained for, like handling mentally ill people or hostage situations. And it's unfair how much responsibility we assign to police officers and how much of a life risk they face and how many lives are also in their hands during unfit situations. There's a good old saying that says that a person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. And that is absolutely true. And the only way to stop violence and mayhem is to come together and share openly, which is so very difficult. It means recognizing our biases, trying to identify where they come from, taking responsibility for the roles that we have individually played in hurting others because of those biases, and actually genuinely wanting to change. Which a lot of times means giving up our, stat- and our status. And it would be naive for us who love America, and I personally really, really do, because I really do, I really do love this country. But it would be naive for us to pretend like every single foreign intervention that we did was from a, the kindness of our hearts, thinking of the good of those, you know, of those people, that we have, we have invaded countries and destroyed them, killing innocent civilians for things like revenge, for things like military strategy, for things like money and power and sending a message. And we aren't alone. We're not the only country that did this. Basically, any country that who, who could do this did this. And we talk about taking over, you know, about the fact that we did take over Native American land. But think about Native Americans. Native Americans also took other tribes' lands. You know, Aztecs took over the Mayans' lands. And they played games with their heads after decapitating them. I mean, it's been the human way for its entire existence. So depending on who you ask, we all have our own idea of a hero and a villain. The Rolling Stones were right to say that every cop is a criminal and all the sinners saints. It simply depends on who you ask, where you ask, and when you ask. And the bottom line is, We need to start to actually listen to each other instead of focusing only on defending our interests. Because if we don't all sit down and explain our positions in a way that others can understand and then also listen to their positions, and if we don't all own up to what our fears truly are and also how we played a role in inciting fear on our alleged enemies, then we can't possibly think that any conflict will ever end. We need to recognize that reality is subjective. Yes, some reality is not subjective, like whether the world is round. Sorry, flat earthers, you're just wrong. You know, tangible objects that we see really are there, unless, of course, you're tripping on some hallucinogens or something. But most reality is subjective. Most reality is a perception based on experience. And no two people ever truly experience anything the exact same way. So to find peace, we need to find common ground. We need to enlighten others about where we come from. We need to understand where they come from. And we need 
to compromise. I hope that as a nation, we can do that. And that is all we have for today. Thank you for being with me and for listening to me and for being a part of my journey. I am Camilla, your High Vibe Advocate. Looking forward to your outreach at HighVibeAdvocate.com and your follow on Instagram at HighVibeAdvocate. And it's always looking forward to our next meeting right here on my channel. See you next Wednesday.